Hello, I'm Marcus Alton from the tribute website brianclough.com and this episode of The Green Jumper tells the inside story of my special cluffy book, Brian Clough, The Lost Tapes. It's a book which lifts the lid on a fantastic treasure trove of cluffy stories and it's supporting some good causes as well. You'll hear the memories of some of the people involved along the way, and there's also a competition to win a signed copy. But first of all, the background to the book, and where better to start than the podcast for the Retro Football Network, where I was invited to talk to host Gary Cook. I want to talk about your latest book, because if people don't know, you have written five books now about the great Brian Clough. Um, tell us about your latest one, yes. The Lost Tapes, that's, that's which, right. I've oh, <laughs> which yeah. I've read. Um, what did you think? Now, I've said this before when I've had people on, and I don't say it just yeah. to flatter my guess or anything like that. I mm. really enjoyed it. Great. And there's parts in it as well that I actually remember. You talked about the phonings. There's some that I actually remember. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. so what was, so, where did this come from, The Lost Tapes? Yes, well, it goes back to the pandemic. I was a key worker at the time reporting as a radio journalist on uh, the various tragic events. And as a bit of a distraction, I decided to have a a sort out of uh, all my memorabilia and what have you that I'd collected over the years. And I found some old boxes and it was like finding a treasure trove of cluffy stories. Uh, It was a box of tapes, some cassettes, mini discs, an old VHS video as well. Uh, plus a, a box of old newspaper cuttings. Um, and unfortunately, I'd still got a little mini cassette player ah, that, right. that, that I could play these cassettes on. The quality wasn't particularly good. Um, and, and a small mini disc player that I'd, I'd still got. But listening back to these these recordings was a real special bit of, uh, like stepping back into a, a special bit of history, really. And so I thought, you know, going through all this, he really needed preserving and presenting uh, yep. in an interesting way, uh, a bit of a curation, if you like. There are a lot yep. of stories in there that are in print for the first time. Now, one of the chapters in the book looks back at Clough's first full-length radio phone-in. I was working behind the scenes at the BBC at the time, and the presenter was Mark Shardlow. We just started um, a few phone-ins on Radio Nottingham uh, on a six o'clock on a Monday, and these were sort of experimental. And uh, Gary Bertels was one of the regular guests, and I think probably after about a year or so, we started to try and angle Gary to get Cluffy to come on and and be a guest, because you know he was made for that sort of show, wasn't he? You know he would have been uh, the phone-in king. If phones had been around 20, 30 years earlier, he would have been fantastic. And um, Gary was trying and trying and trying. And then one day he came with the news that, yeah, yeah, Mr. Clough would be happy to come along and do the phone in. His first phone in. He went on to do some more at the commercial station down the road. But this was his first. So there's great excitement at the time uh, and a real buzz around the newsroom that, you know, wherever Brian Clough went, yeah, in Nottingham or anywhere at that time, there was always a buzz, even though he finished, you know, like he, he had the aura about him. And um, yeah, it was a great, great uh, day. How apprehensive were you a- ahead of it? Well, very apprehensive because, you know, I've, I've grown up watching Brian Clough from a kid. 
back in the 70s when he started to work on TV and the one thing you knew about him that he was completely unpredictable. He was volatile, uh, he, was, um, he was very contrarian and you really did not know what you would get. You could get gold or you could get nothing and you did not know how quiet he'd behave. He could be quiet, he could take over the whole show uh, and I think as a presenter you knew you had to be on your metal and you knew you had to have lots of scenarios. I think when you're presenting a programme, you're trying to come up with, before the programme starts, what happens if... What do I do if A happens? What do I do if B happens? So there's lots and lots of going over, like what happens if... Um, but of course, when it happened, you know, we didn't need any plan B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, O, J. It was all plan A and it was all Brian Clough. The Bulk has attracted quite a bit of media attention. Knott's TV invited me onto their evening show, Knott's Today, where I spoke to presenter Al Booth. So you've already written, um, you know, is it four? Four this books so book, far. This it? is the fifth, yes. Uh, it just brought back so many great memories and it, it sort of, you know, I realised that we miss those colourful opinions that he had on things when so many managers, football managers these days, give bland answers and what have you you know uh, I think Martin O'Neill said he could talk about dog walking in a team talk and people people would listen you know so um, yeah that's how it all came about you kind of want to ask what made him so unique but it's like asking what you know why does why is comedy funny isn't it it's like it's just magical it's just that charisma you know um, probably the most charismatic football manager there's ever been um, but he played the beautiful game the beautiful way, really. You know, nice passing football, no answering back to referees. And that's another thing that came out of the, the tapes. He was giving opinions on issues that are still relevant today, such as player discipline. He said sometimes it was a bit tough asking a big strapping defender to s- step in line. And he, he, one of his quotes was, I thought Larry Lloyd was going to belt me and I'd end up in the River Trent. But... Um, <laughs> That wouldn't have bothered me because I had a path I used to walk across the trend. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was just classic, classic stuff. And there are lots more classic quotes I've uncovered thanks to the lost tapes. One of them was highlighted on BBC Radio Nottingham's evening sports show when I spoke about the book with presenter Aaron Verma. I see one quote on the book. We treated European matches as a holiday. The beaches were beautiful. The food was delicious. Hey, to give them a break from me for two days was the biggest boost I could give them. These conversations you must have heard and went, I can't quite believe there's a football manager saying this. Yes, yeah. If you if you think back, uh, in those days, it was still the infancy of radio phone-ins. As I say, it was his first studio phone-in here. I think it was this very studio, actually. It was set out a bit differently in those days. And he came in with Gary Burke. And I think Gary had helped. Did he have a squash racket in his hand? He didn't on this occasion. No, no. I mean, this was in his retirement, don't forget. So uh, the the fans who phoned up that night were just in awe of him and couldn't believe they were speaking to this, you know, icon. I remember one of the callers saying, forget the Shankleys, forget the Fergusons. To us, you are God. We'll, we'll always be grateful for what you did. And he sort of said, oh, I know, I know you're fibbing. Get on with your question. 
Now, over the years, I was fortunate enough to interview Cluffy several times, and one of the lost tapes features part of my first ever interview with Brian, a recording I thought had been lost forever. Another tape I found was recorded in the Nottingham Forest Trophy Room. Now, the interviewer on that occasion was the former TV sports presenter, Keith Daniel. I think anybody who ever interviewed Brian would say that there was that balance that was always in any interview because there was that slight element of unpredictability with him. So, yeah, it was absolutely awe-inspiring for me to be in the trophy room there and being able to interview him. You you were never quite sure what you were going to get, were you? That was the thing with Brian. And he had that knowledge of how to really before the idea of how to manipulate a soundbite and all the media training that politicians get these days, he was the absolute master of it right from the start. And he was just brilliant at it. So whatever you asked him, he was able to answer it brilliantly. But a bit like a politician, he could tell you what he wanted to say, even if it wasn't quite the answer to the question that you'd actually asked. But he had the ability to communicate with people at any level and could reach out and press the buttons that would motivate people. And at the end of the day, however you look at it, he created this unbelievable side that was the best side in Europe, beat everybody, and then did it again. And interviewing Brian in the trophy room with all that silverware there that was, you know, nearly all of it down to him, was just a, a huge part of my career that was a, a privilege actually to be honest you know let's be honest I would have paid to do that and actually I was getting paid to do it so it was just a privilege absolute privilege. Now regular listeners to the Green Jumper will know that Keith spoke to me on a previous episode but here's an extra bit. Well his interviews were the highlight of personally my broadcasting career because he was inspirational. And sometimes when I'm working with executives now, they say, who are the best people you ever interviewed? And my my answer is always a bit surprising, I think, to some of them, in that the best people I ever interviewed were Tony Blair, who was just extraordinary, Margaret Thatcher, who was, for different reasons, just extraordinary, a guy called Adam Crozier, who was at one point the chief executive of the FA and the post office, but was an inspirational person that, number one, by long chalk, was Brian Clough. One of my favourite bits of Keith's Trophy Room interview came when Brian responded to the claim that his teams played with fear and that his players were frightened of him. What a load of rubbish, he said. The only time they were frightened of me was if they went to bed early on a Thursday or Friday and I had to get them out to have a glass of champagne. And we did that a few times. Yes, it was classic Cluffy describing how he got the players to relax before big matches. And the preparation for huge games like local derbies was one of the topics covered in a special recording of Brian chatting to his European Cup winning captain, John McGovern. It was recorded at Cluffy's home by Chris Ellis. Yeah, it, it was it was so strange. And, and say that the more I think about it, the more it comes back to me. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you what he was wearing, um, but I remember just kneeling down on, on this uh, floor. So Brian and, um, and John were on a sofa 
And then obviously I had to sort of sit between them. I think the only way to do it was to, to sit on the floor. And it, and it was in the days where, I mean, I can't remember what piece of device it was recorded on, um, but now it, you know, it, it was, uh, but now you have little things called, I mean, the listeners perhaps won't know, but they have Zooms and things and they're really compact, but this would have been a real big chunky thing. Uh, so I had a long radio, a long microphone as well. And I was literally just holding the microphone kind of half, you know, in the air really, and then moving it between John and, and Brian. And, and one of my memories of it, um, is that you know within five minutes, my arm was killing, and I think they spoke for twenty to thirty minutes. So you can imagine, you know, what it was like. <laughs> and in my head, I was like, I want to stop holding this microphone, but you can't tell no. two of the most famous people in Forest history to stop while you readjust your microphone. I think I may have changed hands a couple of times, um, but I, you know, the, the recollections I have of his house, uh, it was a, it was a really neat and well presented house. He was very friendly. The usual stories, ask you how you were, who you were and stuff like that. But I was nervous. And when I listened back to the recording that, that you sent me, you can tell at the very start, I'm talking to myself. I can I can hear myself on the tape, but I'm talking to myself. So that shows how, how nervous I was. Um, but yeah, you know, I remember meeting John McGovern just a bit before. John obviously strode up confidently. Well, he seemed confident. I'm sure he was to the front door. And there's me, a petrified 20-something-year-old, as I think I was then, you know, going to Brian Clough's house. Like you said, how many people get to do that? You know, I may not have interviewed him, but I was in his house. It's, it's you know, I still pinch myself now. Now I think about it. And that experience of recording a cluffy conversation was shared by the former Fleet Street journalist Norman Giller when he accompanied the great Jimmy Greaves. When Jimmy first um, went into broadcasting, um, he'd recently conquered um, his drinking problem, mm. which is a miracle in itself because um, he had been lost to the bottle for five years. But he, he made it known that he was um, becoming a columnist with the sun. And uh, the first, very first call he got at home was from Cluffy, who insisted that Jimmy get on the next train up to Nottingham and he would give him, for for now, as Cluffy would say, uh, an interview, which was a big thing then because uh, Cluffy was so in demand. And uh, so Jimmy and I, me armed with a tape recorder, we went up to Nottingham and sat down in Brian's office while Jimmy and, and Cluffy um, reminisced, and uh, I, I would have paid to be in <laughs> to be the man taping it. That I was a very lucky boy. That must have been really special to be between those two legends of the game as they uh, as they talked things over. Uh, were you were, were you nervous? Um, no, no, no. I wasn't at all nervous. I, I was, I was, I was um, very, very much the third man mm. in the interview, keeping in the background. And um, it was just wonderful to listen to two old friends chewing over past times and both being very honest and frank with each other. I mean, I, when it came to um, transposing the, the tape, I had to cut out um, quite a few of the uh, more colourful words. <laughs> I bet you did. They both dropped the F-bomb very often. Yes, yes. I bet you couldn't shut them up, could you? I bet they could have talked all day. Well, it, it was almost a competition between the two of them. Who, who, who could get the first word in? Yes. And Fluffy, of course, won that. <laughs> but um, the, the point I want to underline is that mm. there was Ryan, who was who just won two European back-to-back champion European Championship, and uh, he 
was giving Jimmy this, this interview purely to help him up, give him a leg up into his new career as a broadcaster. And um, it, it shows the generosity of spirit of Cluffy. Now it's time for that competition to win a signed copy of Brian Clough, The Lost Tapes. The entry form and terms and conditions are on the podcast page of brianclough.com and all you have to do is name the presenter who hosted Cluffy's first hour-long radio phone-in. You've heard him on this podcast and the winner will be selected at the end of January 2024. Full terms and conditions are on brianclough.com and uh, you can find the entry form on the podcast page. Just name the presenter who was uh, hosting that first radio phone-in, the first studio phone-in for Brian Clough. Now, talking of radio, here's another excerpt from my chat with the BBC's Aaron Verma. I literally wanted to do this and it worked out well. Mm. I wanted to just flick through the pages and find something. Yes. And straight away, I've gone another interview I found of the box of recordings for my conversation with Brian at a bookshop. There was, um, so my first ever meeting of Brian Clough was on Central Avenue when he was his lad's shop. And me and my mates used to go in there so often with our families, like, "Can can we go in there? And then when we got to school, we would go with our friends and so forth. There was something quite surreal about walking in that shop. Yeah. And just seeing Brian just perch to the side of it. And he'd talk to each and every one of us. And I'll never forget my mate. <laughs> but he looked at Simon and he looked at me and he goes, one of you's a centre forward, one of you's a centre back. I'll let you work that out. He goes, go on, big man. And he, he never forgot that. The impact that mm. had on so many people, yeah. you don't get that today. No. Well, you, you wouldn't find Pep, would you? at the local news agents. No. <laughs> um, I mean, I know Cluffy had retired by then, but I remember, too, going into that news agents, and he just loved the interaction with people. It spoke volumes about his connection with the fans. Pleased to say that Brian Clough, The Lost Tapes, has a foreword by Cluffy legend Paul Hart, great artwork by Rogues Gallery, and some special photos too. It's also supporting the NSPCC and Nottinghamshire Hospice. Now, as well as being available at bookshops, you can buy signed copies at brianclough.com and I can sign it for you personally. If there's a specific name you'd like mentioned, I can add that as well. It's full of great Cluffy stories, many in print for the first time. Here's Keith Daniel again. What Brian had that incredible ability to do was to say something and create the finish, the out, that was priceless. You didn't need to go on anymore because you knew what you had was gold dust. He just was a media natural and for all his faults, and there were many, in my view, He was one of a very, very select group of people I've ever met who you would absolutely say was a genius. Now, before I go, I'd just like to thank BBC Radio Nottingham, Notts TV and the Retro Football Network for inviting me to talk about the book and for some of the audio clips in this podcast. And of course, thanks to you for listening. I hope you can join me again soon for more memories of the great man, 
in the green jumper.